You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Talo falava, everybody. Welcome to our 5 p.m. Malole soifua mawa malelangi mama fa talo fatul tato ainga ilenei It's my absolute joy uh, to bring the word of God uh, this evening. But before we get into it, hey, don't forget we've got 21 days of prayer coming up um, over the next uh, week or so. Uh, so keep an eye out for a link. Um, that link is going to have the 21 days of prayer booklet. Let me encourage you to click on the link, download that booklet. Uh, let's journey the next 21 days together as a church family uh, in prayer. Awesome. We're going to get into the word of the Lord uh, this evening. Let me ask you tonight, if you could go back and change one thing about yourself, what would it be? If you could go back in time and change something about yourself, what would it uh, be? Perhaps some of us might say, you know, I'd go back and change how I speak. I speak way too fast. Perhaps I'm going to slow that thing down, even put a cap on how many words I say every day because I say a lot of words uh, every day. So maybe you'd go back and, uh, you know, change the way that you speak. Perhaps you're tuning in and you're saying, I'm going to go back and change my hair type. You know, it's every someone girl's worst nightmare to hear her mom say, come here, bring me your hair and get the comb, you know, because she's about to get into that thing. And if it's nappy, if it's knotty, if it's got tangles in it, she's going to get into that thing like she's doing the washing. Perhaps you're tuning in today and you're saying, you know what, I'm going to go back and just get me some abs. Like straight out of mom's womb, boom, no workout required abs, six pack, done and dusted. If you were to ask me that question, what would you change if you went back, like, you know, if you could change one thing? I would say that I would probably go back and change my height. Look, I'm telling you, when God made my cousin Dwayne Johnson, he made him a giant, he made him this beast with all these muscles and, and abs, and when God made me, he made me five foot seven, and I stopped growing at that height. And so the Lord has got some major explaining to do. I mean, we short people have some serious problems that we face and struggle with every day. Like when we jump into that driver's seat and we've got the sun hitting our eyes, we expect the visor to provide a shade for our eyes, but when we put that thing down, it shades nothing but our forehead. Or maybe when we go shopping, every single time we gotta uh, buy our clothes, we then have to hem that thing. We gotta take it up and then, you know, take the sleeves up and take the, um, the legs up. And that moment when the plane lands, Lord have mercy. And you gotta get up and get to the overhead compartment and get your luggage out. It's a warfare and a half in itself. You know what? Uh, it's no secret that my beautiful and amazing wife is taller than I am. And you know what? I'm actually quite proud of it because it's got some amazing benefits. And one of them is this. I can now ask my wife, darling, can you just grab the corned beef from the top shelf? Because I can't reach the top shelf. Look, it's short people problems, okay, but you know what? There's going to come a time in your life, I'm talking to all the tall people now, where you're going to have to get down low and uh, to a place where your six foot self can't get low enough to reach. Only then are you going to realize that we short people is blessed. Come on, somebody. Have you ever had one of those moments where you've been presented a particular opportunity to do something? You get a job uh, promotion, you get asked to lead something, you get uh, asked to present at an executive meeting, you get asked to uh, share at a particular gathering, you get asked to lead a small group, to serve on the, on the team, and you've been presented with this opportunity, and all of a sudden, in that moment, you start to recall to memory all of your weaknesses and the reasons why you don't deserve the opportunity. You get a job promotion, and you're like, me? 
Nah, can't be. You know, I've only been in this organization five minutes. Give it to someone else who's been here longer than I have. Uh, or maybe you get asked to lead worship or sing at a particular event and you're like, not me. You know, these vocals are just for home only. Or maybe you get asked to serve on the team and you're like, give it to somebody else who was more confident and who could be, you know, who could do a better job at it than I could. We somehow have this inclination to look inward and come up with all of the reasons why we aren't able to do the job. And so instead of seize the opportunity, we disqualify ourselves, we limit ourselves, and we write ourselves off. Did you know that your perception of the opportunity in front of you determines how you are gonna act on it? When an opportunity comes knocking at your door, uh, the way that you view the opportunity, the way that you look at that opportunity, the way that you think about it is gonna determine how you respond and act on that opportunity. If it looks too hard, then I'm just gonna let it pass. If it looks too good to be true, then I'm gonna need a contingency plan in case this thing falls over. If it looks too complicated, then I'm just gonna have to say no. And so tonight I'm talking to all of the people who have walked into 2022 and you are no longer able to shake off the nudge that you feel in your spirit. You're no longer able to just ignore the voice of Holy Spirit who's been on your case about a particular assignment or a God-given opportunity, whether it's a promotion, an opportunity to buy a house, an opportunity to go deeper in the Word of God, an opportunity to sow in faith, an opportunity to share the gospel with your friends and your family, an opportunity to partner with with God and believe in Him for the miracle that you've been waiting for all of your life. I've got just the word for you this evening. Turn to the person next to you and say, are you ready? Amen. Come on, let's pray. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us tonight, I pray. God, as we come around your word, Lord, I pray that uh, your word would be manifest, that it'll be made flesh in our lives, oh God. Lord, we don't want to just be hearers of your word, but we want to be doers as well. And so, Lord, I pray that you bless the reading, bless the preaching, bless the hearing of your word this evening, and may it be to the glory of your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. The message for us tonight is simply titled, I am. I am. I want to look at a familiar story in the Bible that most of us are probably already uh, aware of, or you've probably heard it preached many times before. And it's, called, it's the story of how Moses was called by God to go before Pharaoh, the ruler of Egypt at the time, and tell him to let the people of God go. It's a story that we're probably most of us are familiar with. But I really felt led to go there again tonight uh, because I truly believe that this year is going to be a year of opportunities. And you might be wondering how on earth earth can you be speaking about opportunities and the current climate that we are living in? See, I don't want you to just narrow your thinking down to a dollar figure opportunity or a, this is going to be my big break opportunity, but I want you to broaden your view and my prayer is that uh, when you come across situations in your life this year, po uh, both positive and negative, that you view them as opportunities for you to experience God's reality in your world. I'm gonna be preaching from Exodus chapters three and four, and let me encourage you, if you uh, make some time to go away and read those chapters, there is so much that we can glean from them. But God has just called Moses. Moses is freaking out. He's probably got the shakes, but he's just been called and he's been given this opportunity uh, to lead the people of Israel out of slavery and into freedom. And so what happens is he starts to go back with God, go back and forth with God. He's looked at the opportunity and he's come up with five reasons why uh, he's not gonna step into the opportunity or step into that which God has called him to do. And so what we find is this dialogue between God and Moses. 
For every negative argument that Moses brought before the Lord, God came ready with a response. Moses' first argument was this, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Exodus 3 verse 11 says this, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Moses' first argument was, who am I? He's talking about his human ability. He probably implies that he did not have the ability to perform the task to go before Pharaoh. He was talking about how unqualified he was. He was talking about how he didn't have any credentials. I mean, Moses used to live in Pharaoh's house. He's gone from being this prince to now looking after the sheep. But now this shepherd boy is being asked to go before one of the most uh, powerful people in his time and say, let the people of God go. And at this point, because Moses has got his eyes on himself he's not going to be able to do the job and so instead he says who am I to go before Pharaoh let me tell you this sometimes the greatest battle in doing God's will the greatest battle in stepping into that which God is calling you to do the greatest battle in seizing the opportunities that God places in your way is the battle that we fight with ourselves we step into the battlefield we wear ourselves out talking about who am I and talking about how inadequate we are how limited we are how weak we are we become so focused on our abilities that we end up writing ourselves off before we even get a chance to walk in the opportunity that God has put in our place, or has, has put in our way. Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? God responds to Moses and God says this, I will be with you, Moses. I am your qualifying factor. My presence is a reason you're gonna be able to do anything in your life because I need you to know, Moses, that it isn't about you because you're frail, you're weak, you're here today and gone tomorrow, but I am gonna be with you. I am going to lead you. I am going to guide you every step of the way. It's the same response that Sarah had when God told her, when the Lord told her, you're gonna have a child this time next year. And so Sarah begins to laugh at herself because she realizes that no woman at 100 years of age is gonna be able to have a child. And so she's looking to her human ability. She's looking uh, to, to her strength. She can't help but think that it's gonna take something or someone greater outside of her fragile self in order to fulfill that which God has spoken to her. But the truth is, bearing the child was not dependent on her ability to have the child. It was dependent on the presence, the power, and the sufficiency of God. It's the same with Moses. You see, when God calls you, when God sends an opportunity your way, when God handpicks you to serve His purposes, we have this great assurance that the God who called you is never gonna leave you nor forsake you, that He is gonna be with you, that His presence is gonna go before you. And because He has called you, He's gonna equip you, empower you, and provide all that you need to do that which He's called you to do. Moses' second argument was this, what shall I say, what's your name? Moses' second argument was speaking about content. He felt like he didn't know enough to be able to speak to the people. And so he says to God, if I go to the Israelites and say to them, uh, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, what am I supposed to say when they ask me, what's his name? Who is he? What am I supposed to say, God? And God responds to Moses and says, I am who I am. 
When they ask you, tell them that I am has sent me to you. This was quite a spectacular moment because God reveals himself to Moses. God reveals his name to Moses. It's there in Exodus 3.15. Moreover, God said to Moses, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, the Lord, God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. The word Lord there in the text is the Hebrew word Yahweh. It means that he is. When God speaks of himself, he says, I am. When we speak of God, we say he is. And the meaning of the word Yahweh or the term I am is related to the idea of the verb to be. In other words, it means God is. God is central. He has no beginning. He causes everything to being. He is God, for from him and through him and to him are all things. God is saying, I am. He's saying that he is self-existent. He's self-sufficient. He needs no air, needs no sleep, needs no food. God is majestic. We will never have him figured out because he ain't a book that we read and put back on the shelf. He's not a class that we sit in and take. No, God is eternal. He is unchangeable. He said, I am. He's the same yesterday, the same today. He'll be the same tomorrow and forever. He doesn't get better or worse because he's infinitely perfect. He is the ancient of days. He's the wisdom itself. He's Al Shaddai, all-powerful, almighty, all-knowing, all authority is in his hands. He's the father of time. He's the creator of the universe. And before there was anybody to call him God, he was God all by himself. The healer to every disease, the way out of trouble, the bridge across every problem. He doesn't need us, but we sure do need him. He is. Moses is caught up worrying about people asking him questions that he's not going to be able to answer. And God is saying, Moses, I am the answer to all of the questions. If they ask you, say, I am who I am. I don't know who I'm speaking to tonight, but I came to tell you that you're not going to have all the answers. You're not going to know everything. And God wants you to know that even though you may not have all the answers, that's okay because you've got all of him. Come on, somebody. If only you knew who your God was, you'd stop running from your enemies or running from your demons. If only you knew who your God was, you'd quit trying to figure it all out. If only you knew who your God was, you'd quit trying to fight it out on your own. And so when God calls me to do something, when God sends an opportunity my way, I don't need to worry that I don't have all the answers. Whenever I say I'm not smart, I don't know the answer, I'm not sure, I'm not capable, guess what? God says, but I am. Argument number three that Moses brings before the Lord. He says this, what if they don't believe me? Exodus 4 verse 1, it says, Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. You see, even after God told Moses that everyone was going to listen to what he said, Moses still went on ahead and protested with God. But what if they don't believe me? This time, God does more than just speak to him. God then reveals and shows him just how powerful and mighty he is. God says, what's that in your hand? It was a staff, and God told him, throw it to the ground, and he did, and, and, and when he did it, it turned into a snake, and the Lord said, now reach out and grab it by its tail. The moment he did it, it turned back into a staff, and God said, perform the sign, and they will believe that I sent you. God then tells Moses, put your hand into your cloak. He does it, takes it out, and he realizes that his hand is covered with a skin disease. He puts his hand back into his cloak, and he takes it out, and he realizes his hand is fully healed, and God says to him, 
If they don't believe you after the first sign, they will be convinced by the second sign. And then God says to him, but even if they don't believe you after the second sign, take some water from the Nile River and pour it to the ground. And when you do, the Nile will turn to blood on the ground. God is wanting Moses to see I'm the God over creation, I'm the God over the elements in nature, and I'm the God over people. And if I can do that with the, with the staff, and I can do that with your hand, Moses, and I can do that with the river Nile, Moses, can you imagine what I can do with you? But it's as if Moses is worried about the clout. He's worried that people aren't going to believe that he's called. He's worried that people aren't going to respect him enough. He's worried that people aren't going to take him seriously. You see, you have to be careful that people's opinions and what they think think about you doesn't become your central focus. Don't allow people's opinions to control your worth, your destiny, your presence, your purpose, and your value. I'm not about to allow your opinion of me affect my response to the call of God on my life. I'm not about to allow your opinion about me, uh, to, uh, your presence in the room, to affect my attitude where I can't do that which I've been created to do all because you walked into the room. We spend far too much time trying to campaign with people to change their minds about us, to believe us, to champion us, to cheer us on as if the call of God and the God opportunity is dependent on what they say. And so this opportunity and this call that I initially perceived as uh, the place of God's provision and God's favor and God's grace ends up becoming this place of utmost performance where I now have to keep everybody happy and live up to the expectations. And, and, and what, what happens is we can't even be happy today sometimes because our goal in life is now to try to change the mind of somebody who's not even thinking about us, but we're busy trying to respond to someone's opinion who that probably doesn't even matter. Let me relieve you of some of that pressure tonight. The presence of God in your life is enough to get you through anything that He has called you to do. Don't go after people's opinion, go after the presence. Because the opinion is going to leave you looking at what you don't have, the presence is going to leave you looking at who you've got. I think Pastor Steve put it beautifully when he said, I may not have but I do have. I may not have the qualifications, but I do have the God who, calls the, uh, who qualifies the cord. I may not uh, have your vote, but God plus me equals a majority. You may desert me and leave me hanging, but I'm rolling with the one who will never leave me or forsake me. Amen. His fourth argument was this. I'm not good with words. Exodus 4 verse 10, it says, Then Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Even after seeing all of these signs, the Bible says that Moses goes back to the Lord and tells him, I'm not eloquent. He's looking to his human ability again. He's looking at his lack of communication skills. And you know what? Some scholars believe that the term slow of tongue uh, implies that Moses may have had a, a sort of speech impediment. But regardless of what it was, God responded and said to Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether uh, people should speak or not? Who decides whether people hear or not? Who decides whether people see or not? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. If I'm going to be honest with you, church, you know, I too was a bit like Moses. When I got the call up to leave the Manarewa campus, I almost immediately felt like, I can't, Lord. Not only am I five foot seven, but I'm not good with words. I stutter a lot. I'm long-winded and I've got a limited vocabulary and I have a tendency to flick in and out of my all lingo. And all along, God is saying, I've got you. You need only to stand and speak. I will put the words in your mouth to speak. 
You know, one of the greatest evangelists, Dwight L. Moody, he was quite an influential and impacting man, but he wasn't really proper. He wasn't really polished. One day after this service, a woman came to him and said, sir, I noticed in your message that you made about 18 grammatical errors. And Mr. Moody replies to her and says, ma'am, I'm using all of the grammar that I got for the Lord. What are you doing with yours? That's really kind of like, oh, But you know what, whether it's speech impediment or a stutter, I would rather be in the middle of the will of God stuttering my way through a sermon than to be eloquent with my words and be outside of that which God has called me to do. But what an assurance it is to know that even if we don't have the right grammar or the words to say, how good is it to know that the God who calls us is the God who will put the words in our mouths to speak. We need only to stand and speak. Number five, here's Moses' final argument. He says, send someone else. Exodus 4 verse 13. Man, this guy is bold. Uh, But he said, oh my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. To be honest, this final excuse wasn't really an excuse at all. It was Moses just pretty much saying to God, please pass the call to somebody else. Please give someone else the opportunity. He was out of excuses. He couldn't protest with God no more because for every question, for every excuse, God offered his promise and his provision. So in this moment, Moses is pretty much saying, here I am, Lord, send somebody else. The Bible says that the Lord became angry with Moses, but even then, God doesn't give up on Moses. God continued to respond by showing compassion and being gracious with Moses. God simply expands Moses' call. He expands the opportunity given to Moses to include his brother Aaron. God helped Moses by sending his brother Aaron along with him as his spokesman. How gracious, how compassionate, how caring, how loving. God still extends his grace to us, even if after all of that we say, Lord, I don't want to do it. You know, we could learn so much from the story of Moses. But if I could narrow all of these points down to one main application point, here it is. If you find yourself in a place where you've got to make a decision about an opportunity that is knocking on your door, if you're in a place of decision making where God is calling you to a particular task or an assignment, here's what I want you to do. Take your focus off of yourself, off of your human ability, and focus on God's ability. Stop looking at your strength and look to God's strength. But you see, this application isn't just limited to a job promotion or the opportunity to release a new album or write a new book or buy a house. This, op- uh, this application reaches even to the opportunities, the God moments where God is calling you to a level of godliness, holiness, a level of faith perhaps, and is wanting you to exercise more patience here, more grace here, extend more forgiveness here, extend more love over here, give generously in faith over here. You see, when you're rolling with the great I am, You can't be out here with the grasshopper mentality. You can't be out here looking at everything from the view of a grasshopper. And I'm gonna be honest with you, it's not always going to be easy because you're gonna have situations in your life that'll make you feel like a grasshopper, but also there will be some folk in your life who will be looking at things from the level that they're on. And so you can't be on no giraffe level accepting things from the person with the grasshopper's view as truth. We need to shift our focus from ground level to sky level because if you're gonna 
soar in the things of God, if you're gonna soar in the opportunities that God places in your way, if you're gonna walk in close proximity with God, you can't be looking down. You gotta be looking up. Because you see, something happens when you look up. Something shifts when you begin to lift your head and look up. I will lift up mine eyes to the hills from whence forth cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord who made heaven and earth. For thou, O Lord, are a shield for me, the glory and the lifter of mine head. It means that if I can't find it in me, I look up and that which I need, I find in God. It means that when he calls me to do something, I can step up to it knowing that everything I need, I find in him when I look up. It means that when God calls me to the nations to share the gospel with those who don't even know him yet, I don't look in, I look up and I say yes, knowing that God's presence is gonna be there with me even. It means that when God calls me to step into a new role, a new relationship, a new career, a new neighborhood, I don't look in, I look up knowing that God is with me. But also, it means that when I can't seem to find it in me to forgive you for what you did to me years ago, I don't look in, I look up. I'm not gonna let unforgiveness rob me of the opportunity to step in to the reconciliation that God has for me. It means that when all hope is gone and I can't seem to uh, hold it together no more because my dad's dying, my mom's in hospital, my sister and my brother are in hospital, I don't look in, I look up. I'm not gonna let cancer or tumor rob me of the opportunity to step into the level of faith and healing that God has for my family. But also it means that when my family is torn apart by vaccination status and difference in political views, I don't look and I look up. I'm not gonna let a difference in our opinions rob me of the opportunity to embrace our diverse views. If I can ask Josh to join me. And I wanna end by saying this. You know what, and so whether I'm six foot or five foot tall, whether I've got straight, silky, smooth hair or big frizzy and curly hair, whether I'm in my 70s or in my 30s, whether I've got a PhD or just NCEA level three, whether I'm eloquent with my words or have a speech impediment, whether I'm living the life or going through some personal struggles right now, whether I've had an amazing upbringing or whether I was neglected as a child, Regardless of your appearance, regardless of your human ability, regardless of your external circumstance, your history, let me tell you, your ability to do what God is calling you to do, it's not dependent on any of those things. But because of who God is, because of I am, he graciously uses mere vessels like us to accomplish his perfect will. But all you've got to do is step into it and look up. With every head bowed and every eye closed this evening, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word tonight and thank you for this amazing reminder, Lord, that everything that we need to do that which you've called us to do, God, we will find in you. What a peace and what a comfort it is to know, God, that you are not gonna leave us nor forsake us. What a peace and what a comfort it is to know, Lord, that when we stand to speak, God, that you would put words in our mouths. And so, Father, I pray for every single person under the sound of my voice who is in the middle of making a decision. 
Every single person, oh God, who, uh, who, where an opportunity has been placed in their way, God, I pray for them right now. And Lord, I pray for a courage, I pray for a peace right now, Lord, and a comfort as well, Lord. Father, that as they step into this new season, as they make this decision, Lord, that they make it knowing, God, that you've gone before them, that you've gone ahead of them, and that your presence will be with them always. We thank you, God, for what you are about to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Look, we never like to close our services without giving people an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. And so maybe you're here and you're far away from God. Maybe you're here and you've never had the opportunity to say yes to Jesus. Um, We want to do that right now. I want you to know that God loves you and he created you. He created you to know him. He created you to enjoy loving fellowship and relationship with him. But the Bible talks about this thing that keeps us separated and disconnected from God. That thing is called sin. Sin keeps us disconnected. Sin keeps us separated from God. But also, it is that sin, the penalty of that sin is death. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. But my friend, it didn't end there. Because God in his grace, he sent his own son Jesus to die on the cross so that me, me and you, we, we didn't have to pay uh, the wages of sin. And so when Jesus died on the cross, he took on himself what you and I were due for our sin. And so he extends to every one of us right now today his grace, forgiveness for your past, a new life right now, and a hope for your future and eternal life with him in heaven. But you see, we must turn away from sin, turn away from disobedience, turn away from doing things our way, and turn to Jesus Christ. Put our faith, put our trust in Jesus Christ. Believe in Jesus, because the Bible says that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And so if that's you today, and you're saying, I want to be connected to God. I want to come into a relationship with God. I want to say yes to Jesus. I want to give you this opportunity and you don't have to be shy or afraid up on this live. Uh, Nobody on here was born holy. We are all sinners who have been saved by grace. But we want you to know that we're right here with you and we've got your back. And so if that's you, I want you to repeat this prayer after me and I need you to know this prayer doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. But this prayer is an expression of you putting your faith in Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sins and you rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and I invite you to come into my heart and into my life. I want to trust you and I want to follow you as my Lord and Savior. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer tonight, I want to say that we are incredibly uh, proud of you. Congratulations and welcome home. God bless. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.